You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Uh, Two things they say, and this was a pioneer from Ohio who originally said it, that both preachers and cakes need, and that's shortening, so I do know 8.15 is the deadline here, and uh, I will uh, keep close to that deadline. I'm reading a prologue from a book called Acts 2.38 that I wrote and released at conference, and it's been a, like a best-selling, which makes me happy. It's mostly stories, but it, it tells what we believe in stories. The man says to me, so you don't agree with the book then? Mm, no, I respond, how'd you know? He explains, well, you interrupted your humming by saying, I don't think so. The speaker is to my left, another man sits to the right of me, gazing out the window down to the fruited plain some 30,000 feet beneath us. The three of us will be sandwiched together in these seats for another 59 minutes. It's not something I'm happy about, already emotionally spent from a prolonged speaking engagement. I have no desire to be around these people, or any people for that matter. I escape by reading. I hum when I read. I also talk to myself. Sometimes I even talk to a book. Apparently I was doing all three when I was causing this disturbance. Sorry, I say to the man on my left, hoping this will be the end of it. He is friendlier than I deserve and glances at my book. Looks like some pretty heavy reading. I nod and look back down at the page, signaling the end of the conversation. Yet it is not to be. (laughs) He says, so you're a teacher then. I reluctantly acknowledge this to be true. Further prodding reveals that I teach in a United Pentecostal Church seminary. He then gives me his name and shakes my hand. It turns out that he is, in fact, a pastor. It also turns out that he's troubled by my denomination, or at least by one particular teenage girl who calls our denomination her home. Yeah, so we're renting our gym to this UPC youth group. Real nice kids, he says. And I'm talking to one of the girls about what they believe. Suddenly, he interrupts his own story and blurts out, let me ask you. Do you believe that if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell? Because that's what she said. I pause, surprised by this sudden pronouncement, and offer sincerely, well, I'm sorry that happened to you. Yes, but is, is this what you believe? I, I really need to know. Up to this point, I have no opinion of the man sitting next to me, but now look at him in a more discerning way. He has bright eyes and a kind voice. More than that, he's a person on a quest looking for specific answers. He doesn't want to argue. He simply wants to understand. I decided once that I like him and belatedly offer up a genuine smile. I pause, trying to frame what to say first. Then I begin by asking him about the church he pastors. It's Baptist. And yes, he's been there a while. And yes, he really enjoys pastoring. He remains friendly and kind, but clearly wants to return to the subject at hand. As I pause, He waits for my response. The answer I give to the pastor that day forms the basis of this book. Sort of. Unfortunately, when I talk, my mind takes mental jumps. 
Fortunately, such excursions help me to recall important facts. Unfortunately, this illumination comes in cryptic snapshots. Fortunately, I can make sense of these to the reader through a longer narrative. Hence, this book is full of stories. Pentecostals talk a lot about the book of Acts, I hear myself saying in a teacher's voice, even though I want to be conversational. My new minister friend is kind enough to listen anyway. I continue. Importantly, the narrative of Acts cannot be understood apart from the rest of the biblical text. He tilts his head, listening intently. Now I make a big claim. The the Bible is really one big story, the story of redemption. Like every other story, it has a beginning and an ending and a definite turning point, the climax of the narrative. He nods in agreement until I make the statement. Well, most people think the climax of the story is when Jesus dies on the cross. That's not quite right. Really? He muses. Doubtful, though reserving judgment, I say. From a literary perspective, the turning point of the Bible culminates in the book of Acts on the birthday of the church. I continue. I would go further. I believe the story reaches its zenith in a single verse of Scripture. All right, he says, waiting for my proposal. I would contend that rightly understood the focal point of the whole Bible comes in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Well, you're going to have to... uh, Prove that to me, he says, though not close to new information. I nod and say, first, I need to explain the whole point of Jesus' ministry. It's pretty plain in Scripture, though most people pass right over it. I have his attention now and pause to consider how best to proceed. Although the stated purpose of Jesus' ministry is plain, people have difficulty understanding it. The worst time I ever had explaining this was when I was teaching in Kyrgyzstan. I smile as I remember it. And the story moves to Kyrgyzstan. I will not take you there. (laughs) But I will take you back to the purpose of Jesus' ministry, his very mission. So let's uh, click the slide if we have PowerPoints. If we don't, oh, thank God, we have PowerPoints. This is our theme. It's all in him. comes from a hymn uh, written by an early Pentecostal, and the verses are all about the Godhead and how it's all in Jesus Christ. And I would read those verses to you, but it would take too long. I only have a few minutes. (laughs) Come on now. Yes, I've heard that before, but that's one person. Come on now. (laughs) So let's review what we did last week. This is what we said. We said there's one scripture that's more important than any other scripture in the entire Bible, certainly to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Click. And that scripture is, Hear, O Israel. This is from the New King James. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, if you were here last week, you have the advantage of the next question I'm going to ask you. What do you notice about any word that might be capitalized in this? Anybody? Lord. Yes, Lord. And the word Lord is capitalized for a very important reason. It's capitalized because it's the translation for the Hebrew covenant name of God, which is Yahweh. Okay, you know these things. Oh, I'm very impressed. This front row is... They are doing well. Thank God for the front row. So any time in the Old Testament that you have Yahweh in the text, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, and it happens thousands of times. Now I want to take you to a New Testament text, 
where another word is capitalized. And I want you to t- turn with me to Matthew 1, 21. This is the angel. This is the angel to Jesus in a dream. And uh, he's it, it, telling him, you know what? What Mary said is true. The angel did come to her, and the Holy Spirit did overshadow her, and that's why she's going to have a baby. And then he says, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. What do you notice about this verse? Jesus is all in caps. Now, it's not in caps entirely in the entire New Testament, but the first time it is introduced, it's in caps. And it's in caps for a very, very important reason, because, dun-dun-dun-dun, the name that's translated in English, Jesus, is the Hebrew word Yeshua. Tell someone his name is Yeshua. Tell someone I speak Hebrew. Okay, Yeshua. All right, now Yeshua literally means, the Yah in Yeshua is Yahweh. Yeshua literally means Yahweh has become our salvation. Why should you call his name Jesus? Well, there were a lot of people with that name before. It's the same name as Joshua. There were a lot of little kids running around saying, Yeshua, come. You know, the parents were saying, Yeshua, come over here. Yeah, okay, so that was Yeshua. But for the first time in human history, in the history of the world, a name literally meant uh, for that person the absolute truth about God. For in Jesus, the man Jesus, Yahweh has become our salvation. Praise God. Praise God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Now, if somebody says, what do you believe about God? Or what do you believe about Jesus? I'm so glad you asked. That's good. What one sentence thing could you tell them to get the conversation going? I hear it mumbling and rumbling, so I will tell you. That the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, became incarnate in Jesus Christ. That's how you start every conversation. You can even take him back to the Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4. Explain it to him, all that stuff. We can say, well, yeah, Yahweh is the imperfect for it to be. It means I will be anything you need to be. And that God, you don't have to pound the table or anything, became incarnate in Jesus Christ. So one sentence, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about Jesus? I believe that the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, became incarnate in Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor that. See if they get it. All right. All right. So if there's an Old Testament Shema, the most important verse that tells anything that you should know about God in the Old Testament, if that's the Shema, and again, the Jewish people still consider it to be a prayer. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 to 21. Uh, Numbers chapter um, uh, 13, verses 37 to 41. Or maybe it's 11. In any case, it's 20 verses. They pray it in the morning. They pray it in the evening. So if there's an Old Testament Shema, could there be a New Testament Shema? 
And this today, Dave Norris is pronouncing, pounding the table, yet yes, there is a New Testament Shema, and this is what you should know. This very verse is the verse that you should know. And what is that verse? It is this verse right here. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And it says there, for there is one God. In Greek, it's Iskartheos. Uh, uh, one for Theos, God. And it's, if you take the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, what scholars tell us is these three words in Greek capture the 20 verses of the Shema in Hebrew. All right, so I'll say that again. You say, Hudawada, Hawada, who's capturing what? I'll say it a different way. In the Bible, when you quote a verse, you're not just quoting the context of that verse. There's a thing called a pericope, the whole context. So when somebody quotes in the New Testament a verse, they're not really just quoting that verse. They're quoting all the ideas around that verse. So when Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God. He's including everything you should need to know about the Shema. But then he adds something to it. What? There's new information. What is the new information? There's one God and ta 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 There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Could I say this without you thinking I'm blaspheming? Um, God was not enough. Because Adam died, and for us to be redeemed, somebody had to die in our place. So there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, the man. Now, it just so happens that this man also was the Old Testament Yahweh incarnate. But it's really, really, really important that he's a man. And do you know it takes the entire Old Testament to create a word picture of what Jesus Christ actually did? The word mesites, it looks like messy. I don't know what it looks like. But it's mesites. Uh, and it means mediator in between. It means priest. It means guarantor. It means the the guy that will do something for you that you can't do for yourself. I need to illustrate this. I need three people to come up here and act something out for me. Just could be any three people. You could point at your neighbor. It could be a guy. It could be a girl. I don't, you know. So, all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm working well with the front row. So I got one. I, I got two. I got two, two. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on up. I got one. I need one more. All right, here we go. Let's give them a hand as they come up to the platform. All right, so, so keep coming up, keep coming up. So for the, uh, for the record, your name is? Joshua. And your name is? Dion. And your name is? Ellie. All right, so we got this. All right, so you come over here. All right, so this is the Old Testament. Now, Allie is sweet. She loves God and all of that. But the Bible tells us something about people. 
It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as sweet as you look and as nice as you may be, there's something I can tell you about her. (laughs) This lady, this young lady has sinned. And of course, so have you. And so have I. But for my illustration, she's the sinner. Well, anytime, anytime. So you need to get forgiveness for your sins. So you bring a lamb. Did you bring your lamb with you? No, I guess we don't have a lamb. If we had a blanket, we could use that, I suppose, or a water bottle really won't cut it. Okay, here we got a lamb coming up here. This looks like a quizzing lamb of some sort. All right, so here you go. You've sinned, you feel bad, and now you got to come to the priest. And you say, oh, work with me. You say, I've sinned. I feel really bad. And I know the law says. And I know the law says. That blood has to be shed. That blood has to be shed. So I brought this lamb. So I brought this lamb. And I need you to bring it to God. And I need you to bring it to God. And he says, oh, that's my job. That's my job. I'm a priest. I'm a priest. Of course. Of course. All right. So he gets the lamb. Too bad for the lamb. All right. He offers it to the Lord. Now, obviously, God's a spirit. He's invisible. No one has seen God at any time. But I need this for my illustration, okay? So here he is. Here's God. You never knew what God looked like before tonight, but now you know. (laughs) So he offers the lamb to God, and God receives it. But he's the go-between because she can't see God, but she can see him. See how that works? And there's another cool thing, is that when the Lord... Forgives. Do you forgive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not too enthusiastic about it, but he really does forgive. Am I to say no? no, no, you are. I just thought you'd be happier to forgive. I just, are you, okay. Yeah, yeah. Very, very happy. yeah I'm, I'm very happy. Very happy to forgive. <laughs> Full of mercy, grace, and all of that. And so you say to, to the priest, I commission you to bless her on my behalf. I commission, you. <laughs> I commission you to bless her on my behalf. All right. Now, this really happened. This is Numbers chapter 6, verses 23 to 27. Um, I need you to do something. I need you to lay hands on her head. All right. Okay, no, no, just relax. <laughs> now, I need you to say this with sincerity. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. That's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's cohortative. That is calling for action. That's calling for a special blessing from God. Now say it again. The Lord bless you. And not only is he going to bless you, but Shamar, he's going to keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. And when he prayed, because God had empowered the priest to be a mesites, a go-between, something happened. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. 
The word face is panim, it's your presence. He literally is calling the presence of God down upon this person. And where God's name is, the Lord bless you, Yahweh's name was invoked. God's presence is already there. Okay, so the Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And give you peace. And give you peace. They corporate, well, Jesus wasn't around just yet, but um, <laughs> praise God. We're getting to Jesus in a minute. So um, that, that's more Old Testament than New Testament here. So you're doing good. You're doing good. You're doing good. Hallelujah. Let's give this group a hand. Thank you. Hold, hold on to that uh, shirt there. Hold on to that lamb because I might call you back in a little bit here, but I don't know. All right, uh, f- flip to the next side, please. Do you remember when I told the uh, guy in the plane that most people don't know the mission of Jesus? The mission of Jesus was given by John the Baptist. What was the mission of Jesus? He said, I baptize you with water. And then he said, but one mightier than I is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What was John's mission according to this verse? Baptized with water. What was Jesus' mission according to this verse? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. This says it's in different ways in Matthew. It says it in Mark. It says it in Luke. This is the Lucan passage. It says it in John. And it says it two times in integral parts in the book of Acts. So if you ask, what did Jesus come to earth for? Most people get it wrong. Or they get it partly right. To seek and save that which is lost? True. To die on the cross? True. But he died on the cross to restore total relationship. He died on the cross to give us something we had never had before. He died on the cross to give us a hope that we couldn't have in any other way. He died on the cross because he was a mesetes. All right, bring those three up here, back up here. You know what? Give it back. Keep, keep up here. Because this time, he doesn't need a lamb. Because this time, he is the lamb. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Do you know why Jesus talks so strange? Listen to this. Say this. No man comes to the Father but by me. No man comes to the Father but by me. You can't get to God. Sinner, you cannot get to God except through Jesus Christ. See? So it's the same deal. New Testament, we come to the mesetes. We see God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But we need the entire Old Testament to give us the word picture of what's going on. 
And here's what Jesus says another way. He says, um, this is John 14, 17, and 18. He's he basically speaking of himself in the third person, uh, and he says, uh, I'll make it first person. I've been with you. I've been with you. But I shall be in you. But I shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. Some people think that the Holy Ghost is an add-on. You know, you get saved, sanctified, or whatever else, and then maybe if you really get lucky, you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But the mission of Jesus, the mission of Jesus is to fulfill all Old Testament Scripture. All right, I might call you back up again so you can go sit down. (laughs) Keep working with me. Oh, my time is, oh, dear. I've only got five minutes, so I've got to go quick. All right, quick. Next slide. All right. Notice on, okay, so Jesus could speak of the Holy Ghost in a lot of different ways. He told Nicodemus, you've got to be born again, born of the Spirit. He told the woman at the well, you've asked to me, I've given you living water. And here in this instance, John chapter 7, the Feast of Dedication, uh, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He believes in me. As the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Notice it's as the scripture said. What is, what's the scripture? Flip to the next slide. Well, the, the scripture is vitally important. Um, it's all the tabernacle plan. You say, say what? It's all what the prophet said. You say, say what? Think of the book of Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's what the scripture said. And think of what Psalm 110, 1 said. He said, my Lord, unto, Lord unto my, Yahweh unto Adonai, the Lord unto the man. Sit in my right hand. Sit in the divine place of promise. I'll make your enemies your footstool. And then on the day of Pentecost, which is really cool, Peter says, because he's in this place, he has poured out this which you now see and hear. Praise God. Flip the next slide. I'll do this and I'll do one more thing. Okay, the next slide, if you would ever see it, is this. It's a bunch of stuff on the tabernacle. Let me just tell you what it is. Jesus is the lamb. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the Lord. He is the sacrifice. He is the brazen altar. Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the labor of water. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. He purifies us with his own blood. Jesus is the, uh, the curtain. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Jesus is the mercy seat on the, on the ark. He is the, Paul said propitiation. The word propitiation means mercy seat. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? Hallelujah. He's everything that the Old Testament said. Glory to God. And I have one more thing before you have to do your case study. Uh, In the book, and by the way, I won't have time to teach on this, but you can buy, can you buy it for a dollar? Sister Teresa? Did that come through? Yes, you can buy this for a dollar. It's the geeky part of the book. And it's where I got this friend. He's, he just got two doctorates, and he's not one as Pentecostal, but he says from a literary perspective, everything we said is true. If you look at Acts chapter 2, tongues is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. This is the first place I've seen this in this high of academic thing, so which is really cool. So Joel is fulfilled, and 
I have two, yeah, two more minutes. So let's, uh, so, so let's, let's try to summarize this, wrap a bow on this before I get this, give it back to you. First thing, uh, Old Testament is not important. It is important for the reasons I just said. Second thing, the fact that Jesus is our Savior is not different than that he is our baptizer with the Holy Ghost. All right, so let me go back to John 7. I'll make an easy point. How many people were baptized with the Holy Ghost in the Gospels? I'll give you a clue. He who believes on me, as the Scripture said, out of his mouth shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believe on him who received. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was. Nobody could get the Holy Ghost until Jesus paid the price on the cross of Calvary, until he was, died and was buried and rose again. And that's why the Holy Ghost is first poured out in the book of Acts. All right, so now this is going to be a case study that you have to pick one or the other. One or the other, and I'm only, because I'm tight on time, and uh, I'm only going to give you five and a half minutes, and you have to evangelize and get five people, and you can't be in a straight line. So uh, can we show those case studies up on the screen? Here they are. Case study one or case study two. I need you to quickly leave your seat, get your group, and figure this out. You got five and a half minutes. All right, with a show of hands, how many did case study number one? Who worked on that one? Okay. Case study number two, who worked on that one? All right, who didn't raise their hand? <laughs> All right, on this side, who would like to address case study number one? Anyone? Uh, we have a, a volunteer right here. All right, please come. So case study, could you put it back up there on the screen, and then we'll read it. Phil asked Bob why we talk so much about the Holy Ghost. Why don't you just talk about Jesus? Bob has only been in the church a short time, doesn't know what to say. Any suggestions? The Holy Spirit is God's spirit, basically, and he gives it to you so you could use it in the world. Who would like to add to that? That was a good answer. Who would like to add to that? Okay, so yeah, they're calling you out here. Hey, steady one. Well, we talk about the Holy Ghost because because Jesus came to to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Anyone else? Let's give him a hand. Coerced and standing up, and yet he did it. Anyone back here want to add to that further? All right, I'm moving around here. Uh, oh, we're, I'll be back for you. Are you on two or one? Oh, you did them both. Well, Jesus talked about the Spirit often, and so if if he wanted us to be prepared for it, then the idea is not in conflict with him because it's a gift. And so he wanted us to recognize it when we receive it. All right, let's give her a hand. Okay, so Jeannie's Bible study, someone asked, why shouldn't we just stick to the New Testament? It's, after all, new, right? Like, why don't you just leave the Old Testament in the dust? 
Did you guys do this one? You, oh, I'm sorry. Did, did you have some more you wanted to say on one or no? Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll add a little bit on one here. Um, I think it's important that we do know about the Spirit because it, as it says in like Acts 2.38, like you shall be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's like a crucial step in that process. And John 3.5 says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So I think it's just like a crucial step in our walk with God. Thank you. Let's give this group a hand. Okay. uh, Probably I got two minutes, three minutes. Oh, no, not two minutes. Sorry. Shouldn't have paused. Two minutes left, so I need somebody to answer case study two, but we have somebody... The sinner has come home <laughs> who's been redeemed. Uh, one way I was, when I was talking to them, how I thought about it is like if you are just reading any book and you skip to the middle of the book, you're not going to understand the beginning of the book. And another thing is with like, we wouldn't know why Jesus was like, coming to earth if we didn't know Adam and Eve's stories. So that's kind of where it all started. All right, let's give this group a hand. You got this one? All right, what do you got? Um, Okay, so what me and my team came up with, and I'll add some of my own, uh, it's because the New Testament shows the promises fulfilled through Jesus and the price he paid. And then the Old Testament shows the promises made by God, uh, which were for God to fulfill. And then, as um, Ignacio said, um, it's in what we did over there. It's another easier and better way to connect with God um, through his spirit when we get the Holy Ghost. All right, let's give this group a hand. I have uh, 42 seconds left before the pastor comes. Who wants to have the last word on this? Case study two. We have a last word here. The Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament because its prophecies, Jesus, and the role he would play in course of the world. The Old Testament paints a picture of Jesus in the way of my salvation. That's called a walk-off grand slam. All right. Well, why don't you stand and uh, enjoyed that so much. And if you would like to join that Zoom call uh, tomorrow night with any questions, I encourage you to register for that tonight or early tomorrow so we can make sure we get that link out to you in time. But um, I'm just so thankful for just the the teaching of God's Word. And uh, thank you, Dr. Norris. So let's just uh, talk to the Lord tonight and thank Him for the revelation of Himself to us uh, through His Word. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you, God, so much for just... God, how you are leading us and guiding us through this series and showing us exactly not only who you are, but why you came. 
And I thank you, God, for your word tonight. I thank you for the revelation of your word and what it's going to mean, not only for us personally, but how it's going to impact how we uh, reach other people and how we can help other people find you and know you better. I pray that you would bring us back on Sunday, God, with a fresh fire for your presence and your power, that you would pour out your spirit on Sunday, Lord, in this church and on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Lord, let your spirit... God, just have liberty among us in these coming services. We give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.